1: <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just The Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I'm glad that you guys are here with us today. Today, we're, we got a really cool show because we're going to be talking about this really important blend of what drives your your vision of success for your business. You know, Revenue and freedom and flexibility and all those things, of course, but also how do you leverage that to actually start making a real impact on the people in your immediate world and then you know expanding beyond that. So I'm excited for our guest, but as you guys know, my penance in life is that I have to do this show with somebody that I really don't want to, but I do love him nonetheless. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the studio, riding in on his noble white steed, the one, the only, the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland.
0: Hey, how are you doing, James? Your introductions are like a rollercoaster emotion for me. I'm like, oh, he hates me. Oh, he loves me. Like I'm I <laughs> wonder him the way I am.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> Completely Brilliant. unstable.
1: It's just whiplash coming in. I I figure by the time I'm saying those things, you're you're still out of earshot while you're riding in on your, <laughs> right. on your white horse. <laughs> yes. So I I be care. I'm trying to like only say the positive things as you get closer.
0: All oh, right. I see. That's how it works. Is it? I okay. I'll yeah. uh, I'll gallop yeah. in a little slower next time.
1: <laughs> so you can hear everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, amazing. It's awesome. Um, yeah. 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 I'm amazing. Anyway, I hope you're doing good.
1: I am. And so uh, we've, got, we've got a really cool guest today, yes, um, we Chris do. Yoko, who is taking a really interesting approach to a lot of things that he's done, um, not the least of which he's got a you know, super extensive background in web design and runs an agency and all these things. But what they've been able to accomplish in terms of their business results has actually been significantly enhanced by the way that they think about things socially. So Chris, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. I, uh, I unfortunately had to put my steed down. So I'm sorry, I can't gallop in as, as gallantly as oh. Dean. Oh,
0: well, you have let us down I'm straight out the gate there, Chris. I'm sorry to say. Yeah.
2: Let's
1: just wrap this one up. I'm done already. No, it's not good. Yeah.
2: Well, you know what? We'll start again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. We're just totally done. We can't handle that, that kind of disappointment. Um. So, <laughs> so Chris, one of the things that you know I want to ask is, it's always fascinating to me to find out where people got their desire to be an entrepreneur. Like, how did that happen for you? Is something that's always been around or was there a turning point?
2: Yeah, I think it's always been uh, a part of me. You know, you see things like leapfrog generations and families. My grandfather was kind of a serial entrepreneur, jumped into a lot of different things. And then my dad is a, a nuclear engineer. He works he still works in the same place he has for, you know, about 30 some odd years, uh, which is unheard of these days. And then I had that same kind of jonesing to, do something of my own, and so it started in like what, like fifth grade or sixth grade, selling Pixie sticks to kids, and then thousands of different iterations up until today. Pixie sticks. You got to start with Pixie sticks. You know, you're not supposed <laughs> to get high we... on your own supply, but that's how <laughs> yeah. it started. Right. So how how much
1: were you selling Pixie sticks for?
2: I'd get those little like uh, the little fake. Like there was the authentic Pixie stick in a paper wrapper, and then there were those like little neon ones that were in plastic, which are almost assuredly some form <laughs> of amphetamine. And yeah. you could get those. Dean is doing a line of one of those off his
1: desk right now.
2: This is fantastic. Then he knows exactly what I'm (laughs) in about. And uh, you could get like a whole bag of those at the dollar store for a buck. And then I would say you'd get a hundred of them and I'd sell them for five cents a pop. And then I noticed I could feed my own sugar addiction uh, off of the back of my unwitting classmates. And there we go. Right. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I like that you clarified classmates just in case, in my mind, I thought you were doing this last <laughs> week on a street corner somewhere. Yeah,
2: you know, just a little extra bus yeah. fare here and yeah, there. Yeah, I
0: think that was just a very clever cover-up by Chris at the last minute there. He's like, oh, crap, I need to backdate this a little.
2: I was like, yeah, yeah let, exactly. let, let me give myself some credence here.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, this, w- yeah, this was like <laughs> this was years ago, you guys. Not
0: <laughs> not the other he day. He accidentally slips up. He's like, oh, it's always good to have an extra uh, couple of mortgage payments flying around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, he's got, he's got like his Pixie Six in his back pocket. He literally just walked in from selling them to do this interview.
2: Absolutely. And then you can drop ship them. There's so many ways you can work with them. That's so flexible.
1: That's amazing. So how did you go from Pixie Six to doing things on, you know, digital, like building websites and stuff like that?
2: yeah, so uh, you know I basically grew up with the web. My grandmother had one of the old like Apple IIE's, and uh, that was she was super into technology. She taught me how to first use a computer and then wow. using you know DOS, feeling like you're a <laughs> hacker when all you're doing is failing to get programs <laughs> to run. and then um, slowly, but surely you know learned how to code up some HTML and then through like middle school and high school, I played around with the web a lot. Whenever it came time to figure out what I was going to do for school, my parents had reminded me my whole life that, uh, you know, hey, school is going to be your responsibility. If you don't want to take out student loans, you should start saving money. And I saved like a little bit, maybe enough for like half a semester. And so I would read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, learned a little bit about real estate, got my real mm-hmm. estate license, and then... Was an 18 year old kid who was trying to sell people homes, which didn't go super well. Um, so I built a website, basically branding me as an expert in, for out of town investors that wanted to invest. I was in the DC area, got a hold of a couple of people there, put on my you know big boy voice. Oh yes, hello, I'm <laughs> happy to help you with that. Was able to work with a couple of folks, getting them properties in the DC area. That's how I paid for school. And then I really liked the marketing and I liked the digital creative component, and I just really didn't like the real estate side of things as much. So I decided to move my career through. The the digital side of things from there.
1: Did you ever close a deal because you offered Pixie Sticks as a bonus? That's
2: kind of a trade (laughs) secret, you know. I'm not supposed to share too much about that. It's, uh, I think it's some form of real estate payola. There,
1: (laughs) right?
0: I I get the I get the distinct impression this is going to be a theme of the show.
1: (laughs) No, I don't think so. I don't know why you would say that. (laughs) Um, So, Chris, then. What have you guys done or seen? You know, because there are, you know, a lot of web and digital agencies and stuff out there, but you guys have taken a different approach towards how you've grown internally, but also how you have sort of taken those same concepts and applied them to
2: your clients as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whenever you give out pixie sticks before every meeting, people get a good <laughs> sugar high. And then you just roll with that sugar high, and by the time they crash, you're already out, they've given approval, you get things done. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is so perfect. This is exactly what the marketplace needs to hear stuff
2: like this. <laughs> exactly. No the the big thing for us was uh, you know I originally got into the the world of web design because I liked a lot of the creative aspect. Uh, I liked the business aspect. It was a great blend of both, and it gave me a lot of freedom and flexibility to do things when I wanted to do them. Uh, I'm a bit more of not a, a morning person, so it allowed me to not be up with the grind at eight or nine and, and do the the work that I really enjoyed doing. And over time. As We were getting into it, the team was growing. We started to realize there were some clients where we were just consistently knocking it out of the park, really excited to get into meetings, calls, etc., with them, collaborate. And then there were like other clients that we were just like, ugh, like why? We got to the point where we were like, should we just shut everything down? Like, these people are so miserable. Then maybe we just don't do this anymore.
1: Kind of like how I feel about the podcast.
2: <laughs> you know, every day you're just like,
0: why? Yeah. He <laughs> loved me really. You heard it. You heard it, Chris. You heard it at the start. Don't be fooled by all this behavior.
2: Absolutely. You know, uh, much to kind of the discussion we had all internally is we said, all right, well, If we're thinking about just not doing this, let's think about why that is. I put together an advisory board, and I thought they would just kind of help us out with some business problems. But they immediately were talking about like, oh, well, what do you want to accomplish with your life personally? How does the business align with or reflect that? And what we began to realize as we had a conversation very similar with the whole team is we all had kind of the same objective for our lives in terms of wanting to really kind of help push things forward, promote progress, work with people that were it's just positive to to be around and deal with and not so much with the people that were we found most of the clients that we were not enjoying working with were predicated on nothing else other than, you know, profit and revenue. There was no other yeah. reason they were doing the work they were doing. And so in uh, in 2014, 2015, we fired, uh, it was about 25% of our clients that we really didn't feel well aligned with and started working exclusively with organizations that the way we describe it had a, a passion or a purpose beyond just profit. And what we started to find is as we worked with more and more of those organizations, they not only performed better in terms of the results they were getting and the return on investment they got from the work we did for just kind of our standard deviation and bell curve of our clients, but in their industry as a whole. So we're like, oh, we're onto something here. Let's just go ahead and keep on working with the folks we feel really well aligned with and allow our team members to also work with people and causes that they feel personally aligned with.
1: Yeah. You know, that reminds me of, I don't know if you guys have read the book Principles. by I haven't. Ray not It's
0: not the first time you've recommended it, so I should.
1: Yeah, it's very good. One of the things that he said for his, you know, kind of purpose was he wanted to do meaningful work with meaningful mm. people? It sounds oh, um, nice. really yeah. similar to what you're talking about there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I dig that. The things you've ju- you've just gone through like completely resonates with me, James. Do you do you recall my presentation at uh, Funnel Hacking Live? Was it 2018? I think. Like the whole basis of the presentation, yeah. Chris, to to share this with you was how to be rich and miserable, and <laughs> and and the whole basis of it was is that I ended up in in what sounds like. Almost, you know and this is definitely some similarities with what you've just said that I, I grew my company and you know everything was going amazingly well financially and from the outside in you'd think life was just great but I was completely unfulfilled on the inside like and, and I was actually starting to really dislike my business like I couldn't motivate myself I couldn't you know get myself like off the sofa to actually go to the office and do the work because I just really wasn't excited by it. And like we went through the reason I bring it up is like we went through a similar process that really involved going back to like, hang on, why did I even get into this? Like, what was the reason I decided to start my own business? What do I want out of my life? And I think I think it's such a key thing. That's why I just wanted to kind of bring it back up, because I think a lot of people get stuck in that trap. They start a business and obviously initially early on, it's really all about like, okay I've got to make this business work. I've got to bring in the sales. I've got to generate the customers. And if you fight it through and get through that phase, I think a lot of people do end up in a situation where it's like you focus that much on just bringing in money and bringing in customers that actually you end up making the money. But you can find yourself in a situation where you've got a lot of customers that aren't really the people that drive you and inspire you. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with what you're saying?
2: Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, you get into it and you're like, all right, like you said, whether it's you started it with loans or you're bootstrapping it, like whatever, you end up having to bring revenue in. So at the first you're like, I I will work with anyone who has a check, you know, anyone who's going to be able to give me some cash and get into it. But then, yeah, you start chasing that so much that you lose focus or maybe you never even, I I never originally had the focus on why I was working with the people. It was just like, cool, you need a website yeah. or you need some creative and you have money and I need money and I have creative. Right. So this sounds like a great yeah. Show.
0: And I, I don't think uh, my personal thought is like, I don't think there's anything really wrong with going through this phase and going through this transition because essentially it's like different phases of the business, right? I don't know what, what your thoughts would be on this, James, but I, I've seen this, especially with eight people I know that have agencies like yourself is they do seem to go through, it seems to be quite a common path. You're accepting anyone and everyone originally, initially because you know you can do the work that they're asking for. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're the people you are passionate about working with.
1: I think it's all part of the creative process, right? There's always going to be stuff that gets discarded as you continue to create. Mm. You know, I think about when we were in Florence last summer, right? And seeing Michelangelo's David on the way in to see that there were half a dozen at least sculptures that were half finished in marble that he didn't like finish. Right. You know, he kept kind of chiseling away and he's like, nah, like this piece got to go. This piece has got to go. And so I think it's sort of unreasonable to think that whatever you start at the beginning is going to always continue to be the same as you go forward. It just like, doesn't seem like it happens like that anywhere else. And this idea that it should be that way Kind of keeps people from accepting that it's okay, like what you guys did, Chris. Like it was okay for you to have that conversation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: and it also just want to add one other thing. It prevented you guys from being extreme, right? Because the extreme thing is, oh, like it, nothing is working. We got mm. got to just like shut it down, right? Right. And then this this conversation says, oh, wait a second, maybe I can paint with a finer brush
2: now. Absolutely. And that's, that's a beautiful analogy with the discarded sculptures, just because it's absolutely a part of the process. Yeah. And a big part of that is, like you said, it's a part of that creative process. But so many people, you know, you get stuck with kind of that fallacy of some costs. So like with any one of those prior sculptures, he could have just been like, well, I've already put in four dozen hours, so I may as well just put in the rest. And I think that's the, the trap a lot of us get into is once you've got things humming and you're making some money, it's a natural... Stage where I think you then need to think more intentionally around like, okay, why am I doing this? Are we working with the people that are right for us? But a lot of people get so caught up and just like, all right, well, I've already put so much time into this, why would I take a step back now? But it's a, it's a James to your point, it's a part of that creative process to be able to to step away to create something that is a better reflection of your intention.
1: So Chris, one of the things I want to sort of unpack then is it feels like you guys very effectively navigated that conversation, were intentional about you know, who stayed, who went, like who you guys were and stuff like that. And there's gotta be some some things that you guys did there that I think would be valuable for other people to hear. So can you kind of walk us through the process, you know, thinking process, what sort of people you involved, like how you did that and came to the conclusion of what to do Yeah, next.
2: absolutely. With where we were, we I'd read a book called uh, Built to Scale by a woman named uh, Marissa Levin. Yep. And it was all about how you can use advisory boards to grow your business. And she was in like a government contracting background. So she had a lot of... The book is very formal in terms of how to create an advisory board, but it planted a lot of seeds. We're a very informal company with a very different culture. So I used uh, and borrowed some tips from that to create our advisory board And one of the members of our advisory board is a woman named Allison Whitmire who runs a company called Learning in Action. And their whole thing is helping people learn who they are and how they react and what emotions they access most readily under stress. And so it talks a lot about What are the benefits of each of these emotions? And if you have, you know, too much anger or too little anger, too much anxiety, too little anxiety, kind of how those things balance out. And as a big part of what we did to kind of get things started with this conversation was um, she had helped facilitate a session with uh, the whole team around what they each wanted to basically see as the purpose of their own lives. And so going through that conversation with the team and being able to find the elements that we had in common allowed us to really shape you know, the focus for the business. And I could imagine for organizations where if somebody's working with a partner, you know, having that conversation and making sure you're not taking it for granted or assuming that, oh yeah, like I'm sure everyone is thinking the same thing I am because it's very rarely true, but you could find those elements you have in common and really build something around it. And that's that was the first step of what we did. And I feel like that was a really critical step in a lot of the longevity and the retention that we have to date. And I will knock on wood as I say it, we've not yet had anyone voluntarily leave the company. So we have a a culture where people want to stay, they feel really well aligned with the work that they do. And we try to be really intentional about that. And a big part of that is making sure it's aligned with what they want to accomplish with their lives. You know, if we're going to be here, you know, 40 hours a week or whatever the case might be, let's make sure we're spending time on something that's meaningful besides just, you know, a paycheck.
1: Can you give me an example of like where somebody in particular in some sort of role somewhere feels fired up about what they're doing because of, of like how it aligns with them?
2: So last year, we had uh, two clients we were working with. One was a company that was creating cancer assays, genomic testing for different types of cancer to see how aggressive the cancer was and what type of treatment options would be you know, the most appropriate. We had another client that was working on helping college students stay on a four-year track to graduate. So if they start to see signs that their grades are slipping or their attendance is slipping or there's other issues, how to alert the university and provide some support services for that student to help keep them on track. Because as you guys might be aware, the dropout rate is something like 50% right now for students going into college. And so as we brought those in, both of the projects were starting around the same time. And one of the things we do whenever we bring in new projects is we share, hey, here's what this client is about. Here's kind of their mission. Here's how they're aiming to change the world. Because we as an agency realize we don't have a ton of direct influence, but we can help amplify the impact of our clients. And so we share, hey, here's what these people are about. Here's what type of impact they're trying to make. If we've got the bandwidth and people have the time or the option to choose what type of things they want to work on, we allow them to do that. And so one of our team members, her grandmother, her mother, two of her aunts, and one of her sisters had all been affected by breast cancer. And so she was like, I Mm -hmm. would love to be able to help work on something that's going to help detect and better prevent or notify people of what treatments are most appropriate for breast cancer because it's been so rampant in my family. Whereas another one of our designers, Mm -hmm. uh, his brother was on his fourth university and his eighth year of college and had still not graduated. And his parents had paid for the first four years, but he was taking out student loans and he had had a bunch of other issues. And so he felt really well aligned with the client that was working on the retention and graduation track information. So by teeing those up and allowing them to work on things that were impactful to their own lives, they were definitely going to put more, they care more about it. It's not just, oh, okay, how are we going to sell more soda? I have a friend who works uh, for an agency that deals with like Coke and Sprite. And so like, it's like, Cool. Like, that's a fun account to say you work with. But at the end of the day, it's just like pushing sugar water. Whereas here, you know, we were helping people basically graduate and have a a better opportunity to make something of their lives and help prevent, you know, a disease that's not only stricken her whole family, you know, millions of women uh, across the states Mm. every year.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That makes a ton of sense. So clearly, there's this really strong feeling of culture inside your company. And how for people who who aren't there yet, because I'm super big on culture as well. And like, where where are we all going? We feel like we're on the same team. We're on the same mission, everything like that. From your perspective, for people that you know, kind of hear it like a buzzword, but haven't made any steps in implementing intentional culture inside of their company, what would you offer to them?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the first step is, uh, you said intentional, and I think that's the big thing is it's going to happen intentionally or unintentionally like your culture is happening so if you're not doing something about it intentionally it's just happening by accident and it doesn't take a lot more action to do it intentionally so you should certainly be doing it in that regard i was reading a book called bear town recently and it's a book about you know a lot of things but hockey and hockey culture and one of the things one of the coaches says in there is a uh, culture is not only what you encourage but what you permit And I feel like that's kind of a a good line to take away is you Mm -hmm. you can say like, oh, these are our core values. But if you're not enforcing them and you're not really demonstrating why they're important, then it doesn't really matter. It's just people will do whatever they can get away with. But I think what the culture really boils down to for us is – and this isn't something I think you can – Put in artificially. Uh, I I think people see a lot of companies that, you know, they have all the gimmicks and all the language and they've got ping pong tables and craft beer on tap and all the things that should make it a fun culture. And it's all just window dressing and it's still a shitty culture internally. I don't think you can replace just giving a shit about people. Like, I I think a lot of it just boils down to like, if you truly care Mm -hmm. about the people you're working with and the work you're doing, you're going to have a natural inclination to build a positive culture. And then if you can add your intention to it and be really mindful about how you shape it, I think you can put the right things in place to build that culture more intentionally. Uh, I think a lot of it just comes down to caring initially. (laughs) And I wish there was something sexier than that. No,
1: it doesn't have to be anything Mm -hmm. sexier. I mean, the, the more fundamental and simple, the easier it is to grasp and implement, right? And I think sometimes it's that the simplest concept seems so easy or simple that they get overlooked for something that seems more complicated.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a big one for us in terms of culture, You know, I was a kid who didn't feel like I really fit in at school. I don't really like having other people tell me what to do. I don't really like having to tell other people what to do. And so a big thing we thought about whenever we, we started this company was building it as a place where myself and our creative director, Max, would want to work even if we weren't the ones that were kind of controlling it. And so a lot of that includes, you know, we don't have set office hours. You don't have to come work basically totally remote. We've got a handful of people here in the DC office, but no one has to come into the office. It's really, we're going to treat you like grownups. You know, you know what your job is. You know what you need to get done. You know, if you're doing it or not, we put in feedback mechanisms to let you know if you're not doing it. But all in all, you just, you treat people like adults and imagine that, Mm -hmm. you know, people rise to the occasion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those who don't aren't. aren't. Yeah, that absolutely. Culture.
2: And there could be, yeah, there's people out there that they're like, hey, I want a lot of feedback or I want you to just kind of wind me up and let me go in a certain direction or you know, put me on the assembly line and let me do this. And you know, that's not our fit. And that's fine, too. It's just like you said, it's, it's a good fit for your culture and your organization.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I think would be really interesting to talk about is you guys must have some sort of criteria for evaluating the people that you work with and then the people that you don't work with. And all of that stuff, and I'm not necessarily saying we need to talk about like your criteria specifically, but I think the way that you think about it is interesting because one of the things I hear a lot from people is like I don't know what project to focus on, or I don't know what I should be putting my time and attention to, and it's all a matter of well, like how good is your criteria for deciding what you should be focusing on? Yeah, absolutely. And so, can you kind of talk about the way that you guys have institutionalized in in your thought process, like how? You make those decisions that are really important because, like, it takes you know five seconds to make a decision. You know, maybe not. That's an exaggeration, right? But, but then you're going to work on a project for six months. So if you take ten seconds and really think about it, maybe you're working on a better project and you get some place different or working with different people. Yeah,
2: for sure. There's a couple different layers it comes into. So you know, there's kind of that personal layer, and that I was at an event that. Tim Ferriss was speaking at and one of the things he had shared is he was like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And I tend to be a people pleaser. So like for me, I was like, everything is a yes. Like I'll help anybody do anything. And so (laughs) like it took years of practice. I'm still not great at it, but I'm better about saying no. And supposedly as you get older and you start to see like mortality play a role, like you get way better at saying no, or so people have told me. But I think being able to feel comfortable saying no is a good first one personally. In terms of the mechanisms for us internally to help decide, I mean, we turn, we're fortunate that we have a fair amount of folks reach out to us uh, about working with us. And about one third of the folks that reach out, we find aren't really a good fit. And for us, that Mm. comes out of two parts of the equation. So one was we had a conversation around what organizations we want to support and feel aligned with. And there's the easy ones, which are organizations that kind of know what impact they're trying to have. Like we work with a lot of Amazon conservation organizations and that's really easy. Like we're essentially saving the world. Like these are the lungs of the planet. We're helping to conserve this land, the biodiversity in that land, the indigenous populations. It's not a question of what type of impact we're having. With some of our other clients, it, it falls right, into a little right. bit more of an aspirational category, where they know they want to have a, a positive impact, and they know that there's an opportunity for them to do something different, but they don't quite know what it is, and in those conversations.
1: <laughs> kind of like how Dean knows he wants to be a better man. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just wayward right I now. You know what, eventually
2: okay. you find your way, you line up with some people, you do a <laughs> couple more lines of uh, these pixie sticks, and before you know it, you're just energized and you're off in a direction
0: a whole ten minutes without mentioning pixie stick <laughs> I
2: mean, you know you gotta.
1: yeah no it was we didn't do good that was terrible it should have been Absolutely. mentioned every minute
2: that's uh, you know pixie stick density in a conversation <laughs> is definitely a metric for success in podcasting <laughs> yeah
1: that's your new kpi for the show pixie stick density on that episode. Ooh,
2: only two times terrible we're gonna have to pick that up next to around <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> we got a, a four pixie stick episode. You're going to love everybody.
2: this one. Let me say this word so many times to the point where it doesn't <laughs> even sound like a word anymore. Yeah.
1: So, all right. So then So then there's the, the, the yeah, people like the, Dean. Yeah, there's those wayward souls like Dean about.
2: that they want to do good, but they don't know how. And so you can kind of help point them in a direction or say like, oh, like for we do work with a, an accounting firm and a big part of what we helped them kind of stumble upon for goal is, one, there's a lot of worry and financial stress or stress around finances. So they help alleviate that. And that's a big part of what they do, but their industry also uses a ton of paper and they said, we want to be a more sustainable alternative. So rather than doing all this printout stuff, we're going to go paper-free. We're going to make that a big deal. And that was kind of before it was more common for people to do a lot of things paper-free and in the world of taxes, there's still a ton of just printed paper and they wanted to move in a different direction. So there's things like that where you can kind of nudge them in a direction and you can feel very quickly if somebody is not in a place where they are open to you giving any kind of input or helping to shape what type of impact they have. So if they're not already aware of the impact they want to have and they don't seem to be open to creating or being aspirational around making some kind of positive impact, then they tend not to be a right. good fit for us. The, and the other side is just the people. Yeah. So, you know, we have a, a series of conversations and we try to focus uh, one of our, the, the big things we talk about is we're all fellow humans. So we look at, you know, the clients we're working with as people, not just counterparts in a project or a campaign. And as a big part of that, the people you interact with day to day are the ones that are either going to make your day pleasant and like, hey, I had a good day. I had the, you know this meeting and we made some jokes and we had some fun or like, oh, I had to talk to this jackass again. And it's like pulling teeth every single time we go through it. So just like we do with the interviewing process for employees, we kind of do a, a similar process for clients to really make sure we get a chance to suss them out and see who they are just to see if they're the, the type of people we'd like to work with. And if they pass both of those bars of both positive impact and good, delightful people to work with, then they tend to be a good fit. And if they're not, being very intentional about, like you said, being able to say no and being comfortable walking away from it. Give yourself permission to practice saying no. Like just be like, Hey, for this one, I'm just gonna try it out and see how it feels. Because unless you break the ice and do it a couple of times, you'll just never get around to it. At least that's how it was for me.
1: Mm, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think there's like I think there's lots of lessons there that could be applied towards you know, tons and tons of differences. No, like you say, you, uh... I, I
0: was just thinking a similar thing there. I, I think there's uh, obviously, I know obviously there's people listening with agencies, but in terms of people, you know, whether you're a coach, a consultant or whatever, whatever kind of business you have, I think there's plenty there that, that Chris, you've just shared that, that people can apply. And I, I would say just because it resonated with me a lot is is people really being intentional about the people they actually do work with. Like you said, you know, you'll you'll spend considerable time with people and, and and that's with your team and with your clients. So being very intentional about who and why, I think is such an important thing. And that can lead, you know, not just to having a profitable business, but having a business that you enjoy and you're passionate about. So that to me has been a big, big thing that resonated with me today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So Chris, I know we didn't really talk about like web stuff per se, but I think we talked about a lot of the things that underlie your philosophy and the way that you're probably bringing your own clients' brands to life and everything like that. If people wanted to explore uh, working with you or checking you guys out, is yokoco.com the best place for them to do that? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So yokoco.com com, and that's where you'll find us on the web.
1: Yeah, this is a really great conversation. And Dean, I will have to say, I feel like you did contribute today. I'll, I'll give you that.
2: Right, thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I went a little quieter later on because I don't know if you noticed. I, I had to keep muting myself. I developed some kind of
2: cough midway That's through That's from the all the pixie sticks.
1: But... Like, what do you think, man?
2: Right. There we go. There it's we go. You know what? As a special a special treat for, for any listeners who have made it this far in the podcast is uh, <laughs> if they if they hit up yokoco.com slash pixie stick <laughs> and they pop in their address, we will mail them some free pixie sticks. That's amazing. As, as our way of giving back.
1: Yeah, to make it, for slogging it through this episode with us.
0: <laughs> yeah. Prepare for the onslaught of complaints when no one can get that website. I know to load. exactly. <laughs> Where's
1: my pixie sticks? Essentially a DDoS. I tried to find
0: Chris's pixie sticks. I couldn't get the website to load. You know, guys, know how it can. Reach I
1: <laughs> Our entire podcast goes down in, like just complaints and infamy as something where we couldn't deliver pixie sticks to people. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, uh, this could go on forever, so we better make sure that it doesn't. Uh, but Chris, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. For those of you guys who want to check out Chris and his team and their work, really, really, really nice looking work, yokoco.com, Y-O-K-O-C-O.com. Thank you guys for listening, being here with us today. We appreciate you, and we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justatipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamesbeefreel.com. Our theme music is Happy, Happy Game Show by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.